extend a welcome to you this morning. I think uh, Richard mentioned in his prayer that Dwight sorry, in Ohio, Curtis is at MBS, and uh, Delvin preached last Sunday, so the logic was to go to the trunk and get the spare tire out. Book of James, chapter 1, verses 22. But be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any be a hearer of the word, and not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholdeth himself, and goeth his way, and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty, and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. This morning I'd like to, uh, you know, we have natural mirrors and we look in them to see what our appearance looks like. And we sometimes hold them up and use two mirrors and see what the behind looks like, what the back of our head looks like. And uh, so this morning, according to James, I'm going to hold the mirror up for you this morning you have to decide what what you see by the Spirit of God. I am only holding the mirror, allow God's Spirit to speak to you. And uh, the uh, message I'd like to leave with you this morning, meditation. That is my text verse this morning. Uh, can you see that from the back row? Good. Uh, Ephesians chapter 3, verse 16. That he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by the, his spirit in the inner man. The word of God this morning is, is, is the mirror that helps you to see that inner man within you, within me this morning. You can hold that natural mirror up all you want at home, but it does not show the inner man. Now, I know the inner man sometimes and should manifest itself on the outside as well. But ideally, if you want to know what the inner man looks like, you go to the Word of God, and God's mirror is not tarnished. God's mirror is not tainted. God's mirror is accurate. It will show you what your inner man looks like. I can't really even see that. I can maybe sometimes make some interpretations by your responses, maybe your vocal responses or lack of responses. Uh, you know, we can make some evaluations, but they're not. The inner man is really the way God knows you today, the way God knows me today, by the inner man. And it would be interesting. I don't know how that makes you feel to think of that thought, to know that God is looking at you and me this morning as as our spiritual inner being. That's how he knows us. Uh, would I need a chair to stand on here this morning to get up above the pulpit? God knows that. Uh, number of things I like to uh, think about. First of all, I like to do, I like to describe the inner man as in my introduction here and go to 1 Samuel chapter uh, uh, 16 verse 7. God here very uh, clearly tells us how he, this is back when God was selecting 
using Samuel to select a king. First Samuel chapter 16, verse 7. But the Lord said unto Samuel, Look not on his countenance, or on the height of his stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord seeth not as man seeth, for man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. God is looking on that inner being of you this morning. God is, that's what God is ultimately concerned about. The physical part of our being, and I, I know it's, it's the, it's the part that, that meets the, our environment. But you know, we need to realize that's really secondary. It's really secondary. Doesn't matter the color of our hair, the absence of hair, or the kinks or the curls or whatever. That's secondary. God is concerned about my heart. God tells us that here through the prophets, as he was talking to the prophet saying, man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. Again, I ask you, how does that make me feel to know that God is looking inside at my spiritual man, the inner man as, as the Ephesians writer there calls it? I like what Peter says, 1 Peter chapter 3 verse 4, he says it this way, um, 1 Peter uh, chapter 3 verse 4, Behold, I wonder that in James here yet. 1 Peter 3 verse 4, But let it be the hidden man of the heart, in that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which in the sight of God is of great price. Now, it's talking to the women there particularly, but I, I think we men can apply that truth too. God is looking, it refers to as the uh, the hidden man of the heart. It's inside of us. It's that inner being that God knows you and me as. And uh, so it's the hidden man of the heart. Um, Matthew chapter 4, verse 4. These are descriptions, biblical descriptions of what I'm talking about as the inner man this morning. Matthew 4, this is Jesus in his temptations here. Matthew 4, verse 4. But he answered, talking to Satan, he said, It is written that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Our nourishment for the inner man, where does it come from? It comes, it's the word of God. That's what nourishes the inner man. God's word is what nourishes us. That's why it's so important that we have a daily diet of his word. We want to stay alive spiritually. If our inner man, the hidden man of the heart, is to stay alive, we need to nourish it with the word of God. The proverb writer, Proverbs 4, a couple of verses there. Tells us that the inner man will express itself outwardly. Proverbs 4, verses 20. My son, attend to my words, incline thine ear unto my sayings. Let them not depart from thine eyes, keep them in the midst of thine heart. Notice that. Keep them in the midst of thine heart. That's talking about taking them into our spiritual inner man. For they are life unto those that find them, and health to all their flesh. Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Put away from thee a forward mouth and perverse lips. Put far from thee. And I'll stop there. I was going to read to the end of the chapter, sorry. Let thine eyes look right on, and let thine eyelids look straight before thee. Ponder the path of thy feet, and let all thy ways be established. Turn not to the right hand, nor to the left. Remove thy foot from evil. Talking about the outward expression of the inner man. It will be there. Are we aware of that? Are we conscious of that? 
There is a struggle between the inner man and the outer man that takes place. And uh, Mark 14, verses uh, 37 through 41, talk about that. This is Jesus here. This is Jesus in the earthly. We talked about Jesus in the Sunday school class this morning and, and the struggle that he went through. And uh, this is another expression of that. Notice in verse 37, as he was approaching the test of his life here on earth. And he cometh and findeth them sleeping. Verse 37, and saith unto Peter, Simon, sleepest thou? Couldst not thou watch one hour? Watch ye and pray, lest ye enter into temptation. The spirit truly is ready, but the flesh is weak. Talking about that inner man. And again he went away and prayed and spake the same words. And when he returned, he found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy. Neither wist they what to answer him. And he cometh the third time and saith unto them, Sleep on now, take your rest, it is enough, the hour is come. Behold, the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise up, let us go, lo, he that betrayeth me is at hand. And I, I think of that, I think of that struggle that, that Christ must have personally faced because of uh, the lack of, of commitment on his disciples. And, and that struggle, it mentions there that struggle between the flesh, their eyes were heavy, and neither, they didn't know how to answer him. I think they felt disappointed in themselves. Here was Jesus who seemed burdened with what he was facing, what he was going to go through for the sins of the world. And, uh, and yet they, they, their physical limitations were there. And that's, that's so real. We, we need, we can identify with that. At least I can. Our physical limitations restrict us from from doing what we know we should. And Paul talks about that in Romans chapter 7. I'm going to just turn back to that Romans chapter 7, that struggle that takes place between the inner man and the outer man. Uh, chapter 7, verse 18. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, my flesh here, dwelleth no good thing. For to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good I find not. For the good that I would I do not, but the evil which I would not, that I do. Now if I do that I would not, it is no more that I do it, but the sin that dwelleth in me. I find then a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man. Notice that, after the inward man. But I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is my members. O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with the mind I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh the law of sin. There is therefore, chapter 8, there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. And I'll stop reading there. It continues on there. You probably read on through at least verse 14. But there it describes the struggle that is be taking place within the child of God who has the flesh to deal with. As long as we're in this body, we have that struggle. But again, there is no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus and walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. We need to give that spirit, inner man, the, the preeminent uh, authority to dictate how we conduct and live our lives. Well... Who is winning that battle? Who is winning that struggle? And sometimes, like the Apostle Paul, he says he he, he wants the things that he, he determines to do don't get done, and it, it does a flip flop. But again, I think we need to realize that we, in our own strength, cannot accomplish that. It's only as we rely on the strength of God. And that brings us back to our text verse again, Ephesians chapter three, verse sixteen. 
I wanted to mention the Unstar. There's, there's a lot of 316s that are key verses in the Bible. And if I wrote 316, they're probably the first one that instantly comes to your mind is John 316, that golden text of the scripture. There are others like 2 Timothy 316, uh, Colossians 316. And I don't know if this will end up being a series or not. I don't preach that frequently. so But yet they are not connected. So I don't know if I'll pick any, any one of them others up or not. But... Uh, you know, this 316 tells us that, uh, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his, by his spirit in the inner man. It's God's spirit that is going to strengthen you and me, his children, to walk and to grow as he wants us to spiritually. Second thing I want to do is do some comparisons between the, uh, the inner man and the outer man. Number one, the outer man, his, his focus is worldly, the environment. Okay, he looks at at the at the now and here. That's the focus of the the outward man, the the perishing man that that perishes. This man is going to perish, and he looks at what's here. Yo, what's for dinner? Uh, the, the 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 focus is is you know right here. What I see. That's the outward man. Uh, the inner man on the con- on the on the comparison side of that is on is on a godly focus. He looks at at things. The way God looks at them. Now, isn't that impressive that we can even do that? Now, we talked about that in our Sunday school lesson, didn't we? A little bit with, you know, if God would sit us down and say, okay, this is going to happen or this ain't going to happen. You know, would we be able to comprehend it? I I don't know. I'm still digesting that question clearly. But uh, I think if we're spiritual enough, if we're spiritually mature enough, I believe we can at least put forth a good effort to understand it. Uh, whether that will get us totally... That we're going to see exactly as God did. I, I don't know if we can totally this side of eternity. I think our our, our vision is going to be uh, greatly enhanced once we cross Jordan, and uh, we won't need eyeglasses, and we're going to see as God sees accurately in 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 lieu of eternity. So that's that's one comparison. The worldly focus of the outward man. I have some scripture verses, but I, I don't know if I need to take time to look those up. First John three verses twelve through fifteen uh, would be talks about the worldly man's focus. First uh, John four four talks about the godly man's focus, the inner man. Uh, the second thing, the out, the out, the outer man has a definite fleshly motivation, and First Peter four verse three would would bring that out. The inner man is spirit controlled, and Galatians five tells us that that inner man. And Galatians 5 is the fruit of the Spirit. If we have the Spirit of God, our, the Holy Spirit of God living within us, it's going to be bearing fruit of, of God's Spirit. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, etc. So the inner man, spirit-controlled. The outer man, fleshly-controlled. You know, my stomach growls. It tells me when I'm hungry. And, and I can, you know, i got to take care of that. It tells me when I'm thirsty. The outer man is, is focused totally on the satisfaction of the the, the, the physical body. The outer man, thirdly, the outer man is enmity and rebellion against God. And I, uh, I was at Romans there, chapter 8, verses 7 and 8. I should just flip back to that when I think. Romans chapter 8, verses 7 and 8. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. Don't even try it. It won't work. That's what the scripture is telling us. So then they that in the flesh cannot please God. You know, the carnal mind, the outer man, cannot please God. We, we just can't do it. The inner man uh, tells us that we are the sons of God. And dropping down to Romans chapter 8, further in that chapter, I'd like to begin reading at verse 14. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. 
If the God Spirit is directing you, if God Spirit is leading you this morning, you are a son, you are a child of God. And uh, for we have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but we have received the spirit of adoption. We're adopted into God's family. Precious thought. Whereby we cry, Abba, Father, the Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and join heirs with Christ. So be that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. And again, that helps us to understand Job a little bit. We may suffer. We we, we likely will suffer. But again, it, it's for the glory of God. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of the creature waiteth for the manifestation of the sons of God. For the creature was made subject to vanity, not willingly, but by reason of him who has subjected to the same, subjected the same in hope. And I'll stop reading there, but, uh, that's a comparison. The outer man is, has enmity and rebellion against God, whereas the inner man, the spiritual man, as we have the Spirit of God living within us, we are the sons of God. Another comparison. The outer man is led and controlled by Satan, our, our carnal man. The, the, the ultimate dictates are received by, from Satan. The inner man tells us we are spiritual man tells us we are to be followers of God. The, uh, fifthly, the outer man is recompensed and unknown of God to a certain degree. God knows everyone, but the reward is, is not, it's not, uh, the reward that, that you will experience carnally by not accepting Christ is not it is not in, in the realms of, of heaven and glory. Whereas the inner man, First Thessalonians 3, verses 11 13, tells us that we are known of God. And to think that we are known of God this morning, you are known of God, a child of his, you know, should bring peace and comfort and rest to us, regardless what the physical man experiences. The next section I want to think about is how does the inner man get strengthened? Number of things that I, I thought of here in relation to our text verses or around our text verses here in Ephesians. I want to back up and read some of the verses around our text, verse 16. Going to Ephesians chapter 3 verse 14. For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and the length and the depth and the height, and to know that the love of Christ which passeth knowledge, that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us, unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages and world without end. Amen. So how does the inner man get strength? The first thing I notice here in verse uh, 15, I believe verse 14 and 15, I believe is to be a part of the family of God. Uh, and there is only one way into the family of God, and that tells us there, it says uh, in verse 14, For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's through Jesus Christ that we have access into the family of God. And that's the only way. 
And uh, Paul is writing here, he says, I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. So there's family here in this world, and there's family beyond in the world to come, the eternal world. Um, again, that's through Jesus Christ, his Son. Those in heaven who have completed their journey, and none of us know when that journey is completed or until it's done. Um, those of us who are still laboring in his vineyard here in this life, we, we need to be busy about our Father's business, just as Jesus told uh, his followers, he said, his parents, he said, I need to be about my Father's business. We need to be faithful in serving and laboring in his vineyard. So the first thing is, I believe, as you think of strengthening your inner man, is to being a part of, of God's family and uh, surrounding yourselves with brothers and sisters in the Lord. The second thing I notice is in verse 16, and that's in our text verse. It says uh, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory. How rich is God this morning? <laughs> Can we come up with a dollars and cent number? I don't think so. It, it's beyond our mental comp computation. You know, we could write a bunch of zeros on the board and, you know, it, it's beyond us. How how wealthy is our God? I did think of the of David who attempted to perhaps in Psalms 50, verses 7 through uh, 15. Um, I thought it was expressed in a way that I could relate to. <clears throat> Psalms 50, verse 7, David here, Psalm of Asaph. Hear, O my people, and I will speak, O Israel, and I will testify against thee. I am God, even thy God. I will not reprove, I will not reprove thee for thy sacrifices or thy burnt offerings to have been continually before me. I will take no bullock out of thy house, nor he goats out of thy folds. For every beast of the forest is mine, and the cattle upon a thousand hills. I know all the fowls. I know all the fowls of the mountains, and the wild beasts of the field are mine. If I were hungry, I would not tell thee, for the world is mine, and the fullness thereof. Will I eat the flesh of bulls, or drink the blood of goats? Offer unto God thanksgiving, and pay the, thy vows unto the Most High. And call upon me in the day of trouble. I will deliver thee, and thou shalt glorify me. God is, is, is rich. God knows everything. God owns everything. God knows your every need. But the question I need to ask myself is, do I access the riches of God? Am I willing to say, God, I need, I need. And uh, again, those needs many times tend to be external temporal needs. But what about the inner spiritual needs? That's what God is, is concerned about the most. I've just been telling you that this morning. God will reach down and strengthen that, according to our text verse, he will strengthen that inner man. God will strengthen that inner man by his spirit. How connected is my spirit with God's spirit this morning? Uh, you might say, well, it feels real this morning, but what about next week? What about when the test is on? What about when the pressure's on? Is, is your spirit still connected with God so that you can retain your equilibrium? And this is the direction I'm going. I'm serving God. I don't understand why God allowed this. I, I may have questions, but 
Can I feel God's strength flowing through to me as I face difficulties, problems? Remember, God knows everything. He owns everything. He knows each one of our needs personally this morning. Whatever those needs are, I don't know, but God does. And I can hold that out to you this morning. God knows your needs this morning. Do I access? God is pleased, I believe, when we come to him and and ask of his riches. He's, he's a generous God. He's a loving God. Again, we need to be careful that we're not consuming it upon the natural man, but rather it's we're asking for the spiritual man, the inner man. Be a part of God's family. Access God's riches. Talk about strengthening that inner man. Access the riches of God for his glory. Again, that's a qualifying factor in there. It mentions that. It says that in, in, the, in the Psalms that I read there, that we're God gives for his glory. And uh, we need to understand that. It's not for my glory, but it's for God's glory. That's the difference. Sometimes we get those things twisted around. I do anyway. The third thing is the aspect of verse 17 mentions the aspect of faith. That Christ may dwell in your hearts. How? By faith. That's how it all comes about. Uh, and, and I don't know how to explain it differently. It is the object of our faith really that makes the difference. I know that God is a faithful God. And I know that he will perform the work that he has begun in you is what the Apostle Paul told us. He had that confidence that he will bring that work to completion for his glory. It's, it's the avenue of faith. It's, uh, it's faith that gives us the, uh, the dimensions, I believe, being rooted and grounded in love. Uh, John 14, verse 23. Jesus answered and said unto him, If a man love me, he will keep my words, and my Father will love him, and will come unto him and make our abode with him. Make our abode with him. God will make his abode with us in John 14, 23. If we love him, and he says, the Father and I and the Holy Spirit will dwell within us. It's faith that brings that and our love and commit to him. How much do I love God this morning? You know, Jesus asked Peter that three times. Lovest thou me? Lovest thou me? Lovest thou me? And uh, I believe Jesus would come to us and ask us many times, many days, how much do you really love me? We get our vision blurred. We get distracted by the things that are happening around us. And Jesus comes and says, you know, I'm in control. I've got it all figured out. I know what I'm doing. Why are you frustrated? Why are you frazzled? God has it all in control. Notice verse 18. It says that we may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth, the length, and the depth, and the height. That Them four dimensions always challenge me. Uh, I always said three-dimensional is lifelike. Four-dimensional is Christ-like, okay? And I, I don't know that I fully have an answer for that. Sometime beyond in tomorrow, in the great tomorrow, I think we'll understand why God used four dimensions here, the breadth, the length, and the depth of the light. Because I think what he has in store for us takes four dimensions to describe it. Uh, but he says we can comprehend it. Um, we can process it, understand its workings, explain its details, benefits, etc. And yet, do I? I thought about the songwriter that penned the words, the love of God. Could we with ink the ocean fill? 
And where the skies of parchment made, where every stalk on earth a quill, and every man a scribe by trait, could we write about the love of God? Would we exhaust the love of God? Absolutely not. So in, in one sense, I believe we need to attempt to comprehend God's greatness, God's love. But on the other hand, we need to realize that on this side of eternity, we won't probably get it done. We may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth, the length, the depth, and the height. And to know, verse 19, to know the love of Christ which passeth knowledge that ye may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now that's, that's quite a, that's quite a mouthful to say to be filled with all the fullness of God. How can an earthly man, earthly being be filled with the fullness of God? How can that happen? Again, it comes back to faith. It comes back to faith to know that as I surrender my will, to God's will, God will continue to fill me and fill me and fill me some more. Make me effective in his kingdom, in his vineyard. God can do the same for you as you yield yourselves. Filled with the fullness of God. And it has to come out in our daily lives in a horizontal way. Do you believe that? It has to be fleshed out. God, the fullness of God needs to be seen in this world. Let me illustrate it. First John 4. Familiar verses. I believe if, if the fullness of God is in us, it will be seen. First John 4, verses 20. If a man say, I love God, and hateth his brother, he is a liar. For he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? And this commandment have we from him, that he who loveth God love his brother also. Now that's uh, that's inspired word of God. That um, that level of of love, that level of the fullness of God, is going to flow out in a horizontal way to those that are around me, and people will know that we love God because we love our fellow man. The sixth uh, principle that I think will help us to grow spiritually or strengthen the inner man is to start with asking, how hard is that? Uh, notice it says, it says in verse 20, Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask. Above all that we ask. How hard is it to ask? Well, you decide how hard it is to ask. <laughs> it, it sometimes makes a difference who you're asking. I've heard people say, well, I would never ask him or her that. But when you come to God, how hard do you find it to ask? God is God. There is none like Him. There is none richer than Him. There is none greater than Him. But we, He's inviting us to come and ask of Him. He says, Now unto Him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ask or think. We need to start with asking. Start with thinking. Uh, someone has said this way, Too often our prayer lists look like grocery lists. You know, I need this, I need this, I need that. Maybe we need to start asking and thinking like God as we put our prayer list together. God, help me to understand. Help me to grow in, in understanding what your will is for my life. It isn't simply like the grocery list. Okay, I need this, I need that, and I need that. And we go to, the, we go to God and say, God, that's what I need. It, we may sometimes need that, but that's, that's, 
that's pretty limited because I believe God wants us to understand and think like he thinks. He tells us that. We ask or think. He's able to do much more exceedingly abundantly above all that we would ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. As I thought about the the prayers of God's children, I thought of Jesus with his disciples in Matthew chapter 6 where he used that model prayer known as the Lord's Prayer. Matthew chapter 6, breaking in at uh, verse 19. Pardon me, verse 9. After this manner, therefore, pray ye, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Notice, thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Is that, is that what my desire is, that God's kingdom would come, that God's kingdom would be expressed in, in, in this earth as it is in heaven? It's only as I access, uh, and focus on thinking like God, I believe that that can, that can be my experience and, and happen. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Again, a very powerful prayer that is worth looking at time and time again. Communication with God. And, uh, you know, the bulk of that prayer actually is, is dealing with the needs of the inner man, really. What is our daily bread? What was the daily bread that he was instructing his disciples to ask for? We think it was probably food. Well, it could have been, but I, I think there was probably more to it than that. Job, we've been looking at Job in the Sunday school lesson. I like Job's expression in verse 20, in chapter 23, verse 12. It's between this Sunday and last Sunday, but he says, uh, the words of his mouth are more than the necessary food. And he's talking about God. He said, I, 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 I deem the words of God more than the necessary food. Job had it right there. He said, I, I desired the word of God more than the necessary bodily food that, that uh, he could consume. Can I say that this morning? Can I say this next week that I desire, uh, the, the word of God more than necessary physical food that we partake of? As I thought about the 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 uh, idea of God's power living within us, filled with the fullness of God, I thought of to you know if I were to ask you this morning who was the strongest man in the Bible, you probably would all immediately think of, of Samson, right? Who was the strongest spiritual man in the Bible? You know, we probably think of uh, Elijah, think of Elisha, think of uh, Moses, perhaps, you know. Think of David, a man after God's own heart. It, the Bible doesn't clearly tell us who was the strongest spiritual man in the Bible. Uh, unless you know more than I know, and that's very possible. Uh, if you do, I'd be glad to uh, hear what you have to say or what your thought is on that. But I did think of, uh, I thought of David with Goliath as I thought of, you know, us. You know, there was David, clearly a, a small underdog in, in the conflict with Goliath. And the, the, the spiritual stamina that he had to go and bring that conflict. And as I thought about that illustration of us facing Goliaths in the world today, there are Goliaths out there. They're ready to destroy us. And, and how, how willing are we to confront them in the name of the Lord as David did and, uh, and, and level the battlefield? I thought of the three Hebrew boys, perhaps, you know, who, who were put to the test by King Nebuchadnezzar, you know, 
courageously stood up and, and said, you know, we're not going to bow to your silly idol. We're here. We're serving the Lord God. And if he chooses to deliver us, that's up to him. Uh, to me, those are men that were, their inner men were standing tall and uh, taller than their physical being. David, three Hebrew boys, and, and there's many others. And I hope this morning that I can inspire you to, to spiritual growth that you're going to be, you're going to have to duck to come in the doorway back there next Sunday, okay? Uh, so if I see you ducking, I, I'll know you had a good week. Uh, looking at verse 21, as I think of the things that stimulate growth, spiritual strength in the inner man, uh, verse 21 brings out, it says, Unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. You know, glory, what is it that brings glory to God? You know, I think it's a challenge to think that in our, it's, it mentions the church, and I think that's generally speaking the church at large, but I believe we need to, in all honesty, say it's it's the prairie congregation too. I believe God is glorified by us as we work together and as we uh, are a body, uh, the bride of Christ. You think of the expressions of love, that the opportunities that we have to share, uh, the unity of mind, and the humility of service. You know, those are all things that are going to bring glory to God. Um, the communication with the head, Jesus Christ, and with the rest of the body. You know, that coordination is what brings glory to God. And, uh, you know, we, uh, you know, naturally we see some bodies that do not have that, you know, they're deformed or have uh, handicaps. But I believe spiritually we don't need to have handicaps. I believe if we allow the Spirit of God to live within us and allow His Spirit and experience His power working within us, I believe as a body we ought to be a functional body for the glory of God. Expressions of love, the unity of the mind, the humility of service, and the communication with the body and the head are what will establish glory to God. And that's my desire for each one of us this morning, that we could experience that uh, that glory to God would be his experience from this, this body. So in conclusion this morning, how strong is your inner man? How strong is your spiritual man? I trust you went through some of the uh, uh, exercises here this morning. I was going to uh, give you a little graph to fill out, but I'm going to let God's Spirit uh, speak to you, and uh, you can uh, do the inventory check yourself. So... Uh, May God help us to grow spiritually for his glory.